This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger, and today I am thrilled to welcome Ian Hanlon to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Hmm, that's not right. I mean, it's right, it's true. It's not complete. Let's try this. I am thrilled to welcome the winner of Best Voice Performance at the 2022 UBCP Actor Awards, Ian Hanlon, to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Hmm, I mean, even that's not complete. I mean, it is a big deal that Ian won this big award from the Actors Union. It means that he's respected by his peers. But he is more than the work he did on Angry Birds Summer Bandits. He's even more than the sum of his many, many roles. In recent years, Ian has racked up an astoundingly long list of credits, voicing all sorts of heroes and animals and I think an egg who is also a pirate, if I'm reading his credit list correctly. He voiced Thor in Lego Marvel Avengers, Loki in Training, Owen Grady in Lego Jurassic World, Legend of Isla Nublar, Ant-Man in Lego Marvel Avengers, Time Twisted, The Purple Pie Man in Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, Mr. Pocket in Polly Pocket, and you can now hear him as Shadow the Hedgehog in Sonic Prime. And a few years ago, Ian was directed in the animated short Summoner's War, Friends and Rivals by someone I know pretty well, very well, Mr. Paul Jason Furminger, the man, the myth, the husband. This morning over peanut butter toast, Paul said that Ian was perfect for that project because he has the ultimate hero's voice, one that is resonant and epic and versatile. Yeah, that feels complete. Today, we'll go deep with this resident epic versatile award-winning in-demand voice talent and get a more complete picture of how and why he does that thing he does. Ian Hanlon, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. My goodness, thank you for that. I, I've, of all of those, I'll take resident. <laughs> I, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> no, I, did I not pronounce it correctly? Resonant. Rezo. Oh, res resonant. Oh, man, I'm getting notes from the voice guy on All my pronunciation. Good. No, 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 because ah, no. Res resonant is nice, resident is better. <laughs> <laughs> wow, long time coming. It's. I've been so enthralled with this show since I first stumbled upon it, and I'm very humbled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, besides resident, uh, resident, resonant, resident, note. Um, 
what's your response to that statement? And and how do you see yourself? Wow. Uh, first of all, that's a very very generous statement on his part. Um, I had a absolute wonderful time working on that project. That was so much fun. And, that was and fun. Your sidekick is, I watched it again this morning. Your sidekick is, was Vincent Tong Vincent in that Tong one. Tong and, uh, <laughs> and Stephanie Isaac was on there as well. Not uh, the sidekick. Though. Bouncing off of each other yeah. on that one, which was cool because we actually went to university together in Quebec. Really? Yeah, so that was really cool. That was the first um, professional sort of post-university project we ever got to work on together. So wow. that, that was really fun. That's cool. To get to do that. But that was really, awesome for me because it was one of those real kind of Han Solo-y, you know, self-assured hero-y type guys. Oh yeah, he had um, great hair. Oh, fantastic. He had a corset. The best yeah. hair. <laughs> oh, you know, one, one strives for such hair. Yeah. Uh, it's, which is a funny, it actually becomes a recurring theme with characters I've played actually, who are obsessed with their hair. I yeah. tend to play fastidious Fancy boys. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. Fancy, fancy men with fancy hair. Very fancy. I think it's called um, like a pompadour, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like architectural. No one can see my, other. you can see what I'm doing with my hands. Has, but there's a lot of up. Up, yes. Up and back. So you can hear it in your voice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, but like if, if somebody's like, if, if you hear somebody say, I want an Ian Hanlon voice, mm -hmm. Or you want somebody to say, oh, we need an Ian Hanlon voice. We need Ian Hanlon to do this role. Like, what kind of roles are you hoping, you know, are coming to coming to you, coming to their mind? I I tend to think when I hear somebody sort of like, well, if I were to hear somebody say something like that, I it tend to think of more of just like a general Swiss Army knifey kind of vibe. Like, I, I like being able to do a bunch of different weird things and I recognize that I have kind of a, a naturally like resonant voice which I think actually hurt me when I first got to town because I was starting out focusing on camera um. and so I'd show up with this hand I was a baby and I'd show up with this headshot and I was this little guy and I'm going out for these like high school kids and I'd open my mouth and go hello I'm so and so and I'm reading for the part of 16 year old uh, this guy and I think it was, I was a little kind of, I don't think they quite knew what to do with yeah. me. And um, so in some ways, I think it was a bit of a learning curve to even figure out my own instrument in that way and how I could best use it before I found voice at all. So I definitely recognized that I had uh, kind of like a nice clean sound. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was, that was, um, fun to be able to figure out how to use that in a way that was interesting and not just kind of like, I am here and I am saying things very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, even that sounded, even that sounded amazing. Um, okay, we're, we're gonna talk more about about the act, the characters you voiced, obviously wanna talk about Shadow uh, and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, talk more about like one of my favorite places in the world where I've never been, which is the voice booth. But before we do, I, w I wanna go back in time. We're gonna get in the DeLorean. Oh. I'm gonna go back in time. I don't know where we're going to oh. or when we're going to. I'm just, I, I, I think 10, nine or 10, that's a really good age. Yeah. You know, bring, bring me back to, so we're in the DeLorean, you put in the coordinates. Where are we going and, and what kind of kid are we gonna go and meet? What, what was he into, you know? 
is it weird that you're seeing him again? <laughs> and, 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 you know, what kind of hints were there, you know, in that person, mm -hmm. you know, that, that little guy, little you know, guy. that, that, you know, he would end up with this, you know, really rad job, you know, that he has today. Uh, well, if, if we're going back to about nine, yeah, then we would be packing up the house in Nova Scotia to move to Wales. Um, Whoa. So I was putting all of my superhero cards in a binder and putting them into storage and we were moving to a place I'd never been or heard of or knew anything to about. Wales. And we moved to Wales and we lived there for two years. And so we lived directly across the street from the Irish Sea uh, in a place called um, Triotter Bay uh, near Hollyhead in Wales. And Can you say it like a Welsh person? Or Triada Bay would probably be something that's came out a bit more Scottish, actually. But, um, it's a very um, particular way of, of speaking English. I know that there's also it's, West Side. It's like there's like a whole bunch of extra A's and stuff. Oh, and yeah. Your mouth is like, there's more like consonants and A's. Well, on the first day of school, because again, we hadn't been briefed. <laughs> we were the kids. We were going. Uh, we showed up and we, we went to school on the first day. And at the time, this was 1994. They were, um, there was a real concerted effort to protect the language because the language Welsh was dying. Yeah. And so they were really, they would bounce back and forth in class. It wasn't an immersion program or anything like that, but they'd be speaking in English and then drift into Welsh for a while and then back into English and then into Welsh. So you really learned this, the sound of people speaking yeah. was very, very present and important for me to just understand what was happening, whether I knew what they meant, what each word meant was irrelevant if I could just sort of follow the flow of what it felt like. So I really got a sense of the sound of people's voice and what that meant, what they were saying. Oh my God, I did. Cho I chose a great year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it was right. perfect. That is yeah. kind of because that's a, that is a year. building block. Like Absolutely. that's right there. We're building the foundation. So that's that's a foundation Absolutely. stone. So that happened, and you know you start learning. You know, which is the only thing I remember, which is just counting one through ten. Um, Very impressive. And then on top of that, at our friend's house, I was rooting around in their attic in Wales again and found a coronet that like an uncle had owned or something like that. And it was just like a short trumpet. And I was just fascinated with it. I started just tinkering with it and brought it downstairs. And I was like, can I have this? In the way that a little kid does. Yeah. And they said, well, you can borrow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I took it home and I taught myself how to play it. Um, not particularly well, but I figured out how to do it, and I was and I taught myself make different mouth shapes yeah. and embouchure stuff. And I taught myself the Beverly Hills Cop theme on the on the coronet, which I am. I mean, has anybody <laughs> in the history of this universe? I mean, we'd probably would have to drive all over the place in the DeLorean to find out. Has anybody ever played the Beverly Hills Cop theme on the cornet? I don't know. I might have, I might have broken new ground. There. You, you absolutely, you, I mean, that's like one of those like, you know, <laughs> multiverse points, right? Like where, where things change. It was definitely. Wow. Okay. So this is actually, these are telling me a lot about the kind of kid that you were. Mm -hmm. Now this particular version of Ian, what did he want to be when he grew up? Or was he like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cornet player. I'm a cornetist now. Uh, Spider-Man. He wanted to be Spider-Man. He yeah. would walk around wearing a costume under his clothes because that's what Spider-Man did. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, where you're on the Irish Sea, there are no tall buildings. Yeah. So I would clamber around on rocks and it was very much creating stories 
in your head yeah. in that way. And we had a tape of like the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man TV show and I would just watch it again and again and again and again. And to me, that was like as good as anything that we're seeing now at the time, right? Oh yeah. And um, so again, similar to growing up in Nova Scotia, being in Wales like that, there was a real sense of like, they're both beautiful places, but I use my imagination a lot. I was yeah. constantly creating stories and I loved where I was, but I was always sort of building other places in my head. This is here, but it's actually there, right? Like this kind of thing. So I was definitely constantly coming up with, you know, narratives and dragging my kids to the, my kids, my friends to the house, <laughs> dragging my kids to the house. Age nine. I was uh, I was off to an early start. Well, I, maybe we should have started a little earlier yeah. in the timeline then, because <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a little too far. Yeah. But uh, villain origin story a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but I would make them, you know, we're, we're gonna make a movie, we're gonna make a movie. You gotta help shoot, help me shoot this little Spider Man movie we're gonna make and stuff. And so that was kind of off to the races there. And then when I moved back to Canada, I had a little accent, and everybody was fascinated with the way I talked. So yeah, they would poke me to talk all the time, say something, say something, say something. And I think that also kind of was oh okay. And so I got very used to just talking. Yeah in front of in front of people um, and seeing them find it amusing made me want to keep doing that. Wow. So uh, where does voice acting then enter? Mm -hmm. You know, as, as something that is a possibility. I mean, you you mentioned that you originally uh, were going to pursue on camera stuff, at least mm -hmm. when you when you got here. Yeah. Um, you know, but like like because I'm honestly you, the story you just told is like the origin story of a dude who's gonna voice Thor and Ant-Man you know in a bunch of Lego Marvel projects you know and like that's like like obviously obviously uh and the fact that that wasn't your first instinct mm -hmm. you know it's because like I don't think like I don't know if it, you know you were sitting here we're looking at all my Smurfs and my gem dolls yeah. and my X-Men and stuff there was a part of me that kind of I wasn't stupid, but I did, but like there was like part of me that felt like, oh, like they were not real, but I never thought about the people who were like voicing yeah. them or that there would be like, it was a different person doing the singing voice than doing the speaking. I never even thought about that. If I thought about like performance or, or acting or whatever, it was always on camera or on stage. You know, mm -hmm. that that's what I knew of of that. So, you know, when, when did that become a possibility for you? Yeah, it, I mean, that was that was all something that happened after I, I moved to Vancouver. And it's funny that you say sort of, you know, hearing that back, it makes a ton of sense that this is what I ended up doing. And it is wild to follow that whole trail back. I went to, uh, I did a musical in high school, which I'd never done before. And it was like voice, 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 voice. And then you get through that and you go to university and a bunch of plays and stuff there. And I took a speech class and we had to write a speech and read it on the student radio. Hmm. And when I did that, the guy working at the student radio station said, you have a really good voice. And I went, okay, whatever. And then I left, <laughs> didn't pay any attention to when he said that. Uh, and then moved out here with a bunch of people. And... I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> as a podcast content creator here. Um, <laughs> what was your speech about? Do you remember? Uh, oh, my! what was my speech about? It was about the, oh gosh. Like I want to know what was so important to you that you'd make that you know what you would be you would dedicate your speech. Yeah, we had a we had a family friend uh, get uh, attacked, and so my oh. my um, my speech was about uh, and and the, the the it was kids did it. Oh, and they you know knew who did it. They caught them, and because of their age, 
they were let go. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about the ethics of this and what that oh. means. Um, and so I just sort of, because I was, you know, you're in college and you're like, what's well, like a real heavy thing I can talk oh, about? Oh yeah, it's gotta be earnest and heavy and stuff. And so I, yeah. I, I picked that one up and, and went with that. And I, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't even like a one thing or the other. It was just sort of like, well, it's, there's this to consider and there's that to consider and there you go. There's my speech. Please give me a C plus or a C minus. <laughs> <laughs> I really would like to pass this class. Um, but I, I remember just doing it and just reading it um, through with no stumbles or anything like that. And I think a lot of the other people in the class had to stop and start. And, but I was a drama kid, so I was just like, oh yeah, reading, it's no problem. I can do that without, um, without that. And he was like, wow, you're really good on the, on the mic there. And I just sort of thought like, okay, thanks, but I'm an actor, so I'll be, I'll be on my way. Um, but then coming out here, <clears throat> a few of us did a uh, evening of plays again, way too young. We were a bunch of 21 year old babies doing Sam Shepard. I've been through a hard life, you know, the world has chewed me up and spit me out. And we're like, sure did. <laughs> way too young. But we thought again, we got to go for something heavy. We got to show people we can do yeah. it. And uh, a friend of mine in the show, uh, Will Vaughn, a wonderful actor in town, um, uh, managed to get his, uh, his agent to come see the show. Uh, Michael Levitt, Jamie Levitt's oh, father. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> He uh, got in touch with me after the show and was like, yeah, I, I thought you were good. I'd be interested in representing you. And also I noticed you did a voice in the show because we needed an elderly man for one scene, but we were a bunch of kids. We didn't have money. We didn't know how to do that. So I just turned a chair with its back to the audience and just did an older kind of voice over my shoulder and sort of threw something in there. And he was like, I rep for voice too, if you'd like to do that. And I said, what's, what's that? <laughs> I didn't know what that was. So he uh, started sending me out for things. I didn't have a resume. I didn't have a headshot. He was talking me into rooms. You gotta see this kid. He's, he's, you gotta see him. You gotta see him. So I would go and I went in to record a, uh, a demo. The agency paid for me to do a demo. I was so broke. Man, I was broke. Not because I couldn't have called my parents for help, but because yeah. I had too much pride mm. to do that. Um, so the agency was like, okay. And they got me in a booth to record something so that I would have something to show. And uh, I'll never forget, I was doing an Acura commercial and I was reading the entire commercial like this, <laughs> Acura Advance. And there was a pause and the engineer comes up and said, well, you really Christian bailed the shit out of that, didn't you? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, sometimes you're just not the right voice for something it's yeah. fine it's not this isn't animation where you're, you're doing characters and all this stuff it's just this was commercial and so my first entry point was figuring out how to do commercial work yeah um which i think was really useful because you really just have to learn what you sound like mm. and then from there you can branch out and do well, i was already doing a bunch of kooky voices and stuff as a kid growing up and everything but really learning what you sound like gives you so much more freedom and, and quickness with being able to jump somewhere else because you know where the middle is. Yeah. And so I think through many, many years of trial and error, I gradually bumped my head against the industry until I slowly started figuring it out. Um, and then gradually I was able to book a little animated part, which I picked a voice that I couldn't sustain for the entire run of the show. Oh no. Because that was something I didn't know that you had to do. Right. So, learned a lesson there and then you move on and you do something else and they ask you to throw a punch and you go, eh. 
<laughs> and they go, no, you actually have to. Like we need to hear it. Oh, okay. Learned something new, and just sort of step by step by step by step, kind of was taught through very generous and patient people how to do the work. And then in uh, 2014, I was home for my brother's wedding, and I got a, a, a um, email saying, "Hey, they're casting a new animated series, and you should really audition." And I said, "I'm at my parents' house. There's a rehearsal dinner." It's due at whatever o'clock, I can't do it. And they're like, please do it, just do it, do it, do it, do it. I'm like, all right. So cut to me sitting in the rental car in front of my parents' house with scripts printed out on my lap, a glass of red wine in my hand, and just my iPhone. Yeah. As my future sister-in-law's family is arriving at the house going, who's the weirdo in the uh, car out front? <laughs> oh, that's the groom's brother, okay. <laughs> and I sent it off without thinking much about it and Three weeks later, they said, you booked Lego Nexo Knights as one of the five lead characters. Wow. And I quit my job. Probably should have waited a little bit before <laughs> I quit my job, but I, I quit my job at the, at the restaurant I was working at and um, and just sort of thought like, okay, let's, let's really see if I can grab onto this with both hands instead yeah. of, I think I'm ready to just let go of the wall and just drop. And it uh, it's worked out. That was nine years in September that I've been full-time oh my god it's 2023 I know like but how can that be when 2014 was just two years ago I don't care for it either yeah no it's the DeLorean it really messes <laughs> messes with you what kind of relationship do you have with the aspirations that you once had of being an on-camera actor yeah I you know, I, I still do it when it comes up and, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to doing more of it. I've done it with, you know, friends and stuff, making our own things. But one of the things, and I have, I have a lot of wonderful friends who do a lot of on camera and really, really enjoy it. But one of the things that I was not aware of, for example, <laughs> was that I didn't know I was the short guy in my friend group until I was like 22 years old. <laughs> I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I just didn't clock it at all. And then suddenly you're entering a profession where the second you walk in the door, a certain amount of evaluation has been done. And eh, not tall enough. Eh, too tall. Eh, you know, whatever. Well, we already got a brunette. We need a blonde guy. Whatever, right? And that was something that I was not aware of. And I was mm. just carrying myself in that very nervous kind of like, what do I do? I don't, what do I do with my hands? That whole thing. And... That was something, the whole fake it till you make it thing, right? I was able to project that confidence more easily through my voice. I'm not nervous, trembling. Don't hear me move the page as a yeah. <laughs> um, I was able to conceal that anxiety a little bit more uh, on the voice side of things. And what I started realizing was that not only was it um, not as sort of forward facing in that way of like, oh, I'm nervous going in for this thing. It was also, I'm like, I'm being offered stuff that I would never get offered mm. for the camera side of stuff. I was getting a lot, like for camera, it was great, but I was getting a lot of like computer nerd guy in this thing or like, uh, you know, or, you know, hunky, you know, abusive boyfriend, which I was also like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but, um, so I was kind of getting, it was, it was the very, um, where does this guy fit into the CW, essentially? I think what was yeah. always happening, because I showed up and I was this young, very thin, because I had no money kind of kid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was like, where do we put this guy? And voiceover was offering stuff that just wasn't happening, that I, that I wasn't seeing anyway on the camera side, 
where it's, you know, you could be that sort of swaggering Han Solo kind of guy, or you could be somebody who's even smaller than you, or you could, and every, or you could be evil. Nobody would, I don't think, really on camera ever cast me to be some evil, big, you know, syndicate boss or and something. And you've had like the chance that. to do all of those. Yeah. As has Adrian Petriu, as oh, has yeah. Vincent Tong, as has Bill Newton, as mm -hmm. has Jesse Nocali. Like, it's, you know, it's, the, it's, and it's awesome, you know, to see, you know, and it's all varying heights and from all over the world. And yet mm -hmm. you probably have a way more varied, you know, uh, list of characters than the on-camera guys. Uh, to a degree. I, I mean, mean, you've been an egg pirate. You would have, I mean, I'm not going to say, <laughs> but I don't think you would have been an egg pirate. You know, if you'd only stuck to doing on-camera stuff. It would have been a lot more time in the chair, I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, that was actually it. Anytime I get to play a pirate as an East Coaster or any sort of nautical thing, I'm like, okay, a little bit. <laughs> I do love, bit. too, that you moved from from Halifax mm -hmm. to, you know, Wales, right on the Irish Sea, too. From, it was kind of like, because I was like, was that kind of like a lateral move? It was. Well, my, my father worked on offshore rigs in Africa. And so part of it was, it was just a little bit closer. So he'd be gone for a month and, and back for a month. And part of it was just, you'd lose two days in just the traveling. Yeah. Right. So more time he was able to spend at home if we were over there. And it, he knew a, a buddy over there and it was just a cool adventure for a couple of years. What does your family think of the life that you have built for yourself and all the characters that you get to voice? It's they're so amazing um they've been from the jump super super supportive and part of that i have to attribute also to the fact that i was not the first person in the family to go into showbiz oh that was uh my my cousin was uh is excuse me excuse me uh a a singer by the name of johnny favorite who was part of the big swing movement in the 97 98 oh my god um yep. i was in high school in the 90s <laughs> mm -hmm. big, so yes. i remember at our prom we had some some uh, big band swing dancing oh, happening yes 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 they were they were the toast of the town for a yeah. while there root beer and licorice yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh so he had had this you know success as a as a performer and my other cousin had gone through school for for acting as well and so i was fortunate that i wasn't the first one out of the gate yeah so there was a certain amount of precedent set of like i guess this is just what our kids do no doctors <laughs> just a bunch of performers but i also i mean so i have a little bit about me um even though it's podcast where you come on and talk about you but you have a sip of your water yeah, i'll tell you about yeah. me i've only been to uh the maritimes once uh and it was to go to halifax and I actually while i was there discovered that my grandfather started his canadian journey at pier 21 uh, and i found like the entry papers and stuff and, like all the stuff that he hadn't told me when he was still alive you know i was able it was amazing because i'm like there's still things he has to tell us but what i love though i went i forget what the name of the street was but there was like this one one main drag in Halifax where there were like 30 bars or something, you know, Spring Garden. yeah, <laughs> every, but, but everywhere it was, it was in 2007. So I don't quite remember. And mm -hmm. also it was a fun night. So I don't quite remember. Halifax but is good for fun nights. Literally the nicest people that I've met, mm -hmm. uh, really 
anywhere, you know, and so like curious and so much storytelling. And I think at one point, like there was a circle and people were playing music and dancing. And I was like, oh, like this is like the the whole like maritime storytelling music thing. So like, even though maybe that was not what, you know, you're our parents generation and back did like it was still part of the culture it's part of something that is valued right yeah. well I, I i remember again the growing up in all of that and so much of the music and that kind of music is very i mean you know all music is storytelling but that music in particular was quite literally here is now a story <laughs> that i'm going to sing in chronological order yeah i mean barrett's privateers for example stan rogers uh not from uh, Nova Scotia, but uh, an honorary uh, yeah. timer, um, was uh, I recall it being played in over like the morning announcements. Wow. And the whole school, and at the time this drove me nuts. I was like, geez, guys, come on. But the whole school would stomp and you'd feel the school go. <laughs> and like the whole thing, I was just like, wow, everybody. And if you start playing some of that music now, we just had the World Juniors in, in Halifax mm. and they were singing Heave Away every time. Like that kind of, you know, communal celebration of music and storytelling is is very, very present out there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you move to to a place like, like Wales and where it's also very much a thing there. And then coming out here, I was, I part of it, other than just there being an industry here was I think I just needed the sea. Hmm. If I'm being honest, uh, I think that is a very um, compelling. God, it calls. Force. It calls. It really does. I was talking about this the other day. I've I've still not, for whatever reason, seen Moana. But that song, yeah. that I want song in that movie, is the most like I know exactly what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm. I mean, I'm. My daughter's name, Mariana, actually means star of the sea. Oh, you know, my grandfather's in the Navy. Like there's a lot of naval stuff that, that like I, I definitely feel that attraction. And I find that when I'm really, when I found out, you know, that loved ones have passed, you know, or, and I want to go screen somewhere, I will, we will drive down to Spanish Banks or Jericho if it's February or March or whatever, get and like I will scream into the ocean and I'll find peace there. You know, like I just, there's, it, there's, yeah, there's, it calls. He calls to me, Ian. It calls to me. <laughs> <laughs> it calls to us all. Okay. I would be remiss if I didn't speak with you. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess you could say that I've had your brother, Loki, on this podcast. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, so I, I had a Mr. Neil Buton, Mr. Bill Newton, <laughs> on the podcast uh, talking about, um, you know, voicing Loki. Uh, and I think he was, he, he was that night that we were there at the UBCP Actor Awards, was he nominated he was, yes. for that for specific fabulous, fabulous role? And so, you know, when I had him on the podcast, you know, cause I, I mean, I, I love, I love that work. Um, and so we talked about, you know, the, the challenge, the joys, but also the challenges associated with taking a voice, you know, that is a character, you know, that is iconic and known mm -hmm. and making it your own and making it work in that kind of realm. So I've got Loki's take on this. What's <laughs> yours, Thor? And also Ant-Man. I mean, like there's all sorts of different, like, you know, these iconic characters, you know, from, you know, who are so, who are so known in a different genre, you know, mm -hmm. you gotta make it your own. It is, it's, it is this very sort of beautiful challenge that you have because on the one hand, you're like, oh, awesome, it's this character, people know them, they come in with this certain amount of understanding. 
And on the other hand, you go, oh no, it's this character and people know them and they come in with a certain amount yeah. of understanding. <laughs> and so you can't just create it out of whole cloth, but yeah. at the same time, it is your responsibility to not just do it the way it's totally been done before. With Lego in particular, we have this really wonderful um, luxury of being like, it's this slightly elevated, like Lego has a vibe to itself oh, as, yeah. a, as a style. So it's not quite one-to-one -one with the page, but you still want to keep those vibes in there. So keeping it in this sort of place and starting with kind of what he is as we know him and a bit of a blowhard and he doesn't mind taking up space, but then also finding these quieter moments that he has and then maybe making, taking a bit of the piss out of him. Just a little, just a little <laughs> bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, making him a little bit sillier than he might otherwise be. Or um, I, I did um, a, a reimagining of Mr. Magoo. Yeah, I saw that. And that was, that was really interesting to audition for as well because they said, okay, he's younger. So Mr. Magoo, as we knew him, was an older man. And now let's say he's like 35. And so with that, I knew of, you know, Jim Backus's work on the original. And it's like, okay, well, you know, he was very much this sort of curmudgeonly thing. And I wanted to keep some of that in there. Yeah but sort of bring it down and not have it as much. And so this guy sort of gets younger and younger and gradually he becomes something that resembles a little bit more like this. And then he's a bit sprier and he can kind of get out there and take care of things and oh, you know, but he's still got that DNA to him. You can hear where he's going to be going in exactly, the, in the right? future. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Is this a fair question? I don't even know. I'll ask you and you tell me. <laughs> Do you prefer voicing a superhero mm. or a supervillain? Right? It's tough because as again, as that, that little kid, it's like a oh, superhero all the way. Yeah. It's gotta be superhero, superhero. But then those villains do get those good lines, don't they? And they really get to relish and lean in a lot. And suffer. And suffer, <laughs> and, 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 and su right? They get a whole gamut. Um, it's tough. I mean, they both, they obviously they both offer pros. I'm staring at your X-Men collection while I'm answering this question. <laughs> I'm staring, I'm staring Wait, Scott Summers right in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, trying to say, well, villains are fun too, Scott. Um, but they are, because I mean, just to example, like look at this grouping that we have here. We have your, your classic X-Men, we have Juggernaut, we have Magneto, we have Sabretooth as well. And every single one of them would be an absolute blast. Oh yeah. For completely different reasons. Even villain to villain, Sabretooth is more fun than Magneto in some ways and Magneto is more fun than Sabretooth. Like, it's, it's getting a chance to even play in the sandbox yeah. is such a privilege at all. Because the other thing you have to recognize is that for someone, even if it's just one person, your version is gonna be the first version. And so that's gonna then set this understanding in this template moving forward for every other version of wow. it that they get. You know, like if you see it as a little kid and the first version of it that you see is Miles Morales, that's the original Spider-Man. And this Peter Parker guy is something totally different. And that's yeah. awesome. I love that. That Spider-Verse movie is so amazing in the amazing. way that it does present that exact premise. That it's like, this is for everybody. And no matter what your version of this is, you're correct. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing a story about, um, oh gosh, it was an actor and he was basically saying that, um, you know, it was his first day on set and he's like, I don't know if I'm 
right for this thing. He's talking to the director. I don't know if I'm right. And he goes, well, you are right because you're here. You're the guy. He's like, well, how would he do this? He goes, the way you do it is how he would do it because this is your version of this guy. It was Jeff Bridges. This is your version of this guy. So however you're doing it, you're right. Good news. You're right. Was he the guy? Or was he the dude? Was he the guy? Or was he the dude? <laughs> he abided either way, so it's hard to tell. Wow. I mean, that was some great wordplay right there. <laughs> um, that was a deep sigh. Mm. Make it feel a bit more serious. Okay. Been a lot of laughter. I've been looking at toys and stuff. I mean, but this could be a positive or a negative. I don't know. Uh, but I want to talk about trends mm -hmm. and industry trends. Yeah voice industry trends. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in your industry, you're part of the industry, that you think will impact the way that you do your work in the future? Yeah, I think obviously one of the most important changes that we've seen disturbingly recently is more um, appropriate and accurate casting, mm. just out of the gate. Um, it was you know, as we, I'm sure we've gone over on here before, very de rigueur for, you know, a white actor to come in and play every single part. Yeah. No problem. Um, and it's shocking that it took as long as it did for people to go, I know it's voice, but that's still not correct. We shouldn't be doing this this way. And so seeing that change finally begin has been very heartening to see. Yeah. You know, the word is out. Like, yeah this needs to happen and it's a good thing that it's happening it's not something that the industry fortunately has been uh, running from or reluctant to engage with it's like no we need to start telling uh, uh, you know more stories and we need to start telling them accurately and we need to start telling them with the people who are equipped to tell these stories mm. you know it it's not just enough to be like i can do uh a big guy voice or whatever. It's like, you need to be cast. You need to be looking beyond just that first hey, step. Can I give of, you a note? That was not my favorite of the voices you've done no, today. I didn't really hear big guy. i months. Yeah, no, I'm that was more like a guy. really little guy who who wants to be seen as a big guy. You, you might have it, a big neck. You know what it is? I just rewatched Train Spotting yesterday <laughs> oh. and I'm picturing Robert Carlyle being like, I'm a big guy. <laughs> there you go. I'm that, a scary big guy. Yeah, that, that I, I, definitely, uh, I definitely see that. The reason I sighed deeply though, because I was talking about trends, is because, you know, there's other conversations I've been having, you know, I'm off the record before mm -hmm. this artist too, talking about, you know, how AI is gonna impact, you know, the voice realm, and also the pro the the proliferation of these celebrity voice actors, mm -hmm. you know, who are just, you know, like these, you know, A-list celebrities who come in, you know, to voice something. You're like, but you're not doing a good job. You're not actually a voice actor. So that's why I sigh deeply, because those were other things that I thought that you might bring up. Yeah, well, and I mean, we just had an example of that yesterday. Uh, the new uh, Warner Brothers slate of um, films oh, yes. and projects was released in one of the things that caused a fervor on voiceover Twitter was um, saying we want the to aim to have the same actors play the roles across oh, animation, yeah. film, television, and video games. And people were like, what? What are you talking about? And in some cases, that works great. First of all, I think it's going to be a little expensive for them to pull that off, but we'll see how they do. Yeah, 24 to 48 episodes of various things. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and even just scheduling, I think, can be difficult with that. But um, some some celebrity performers are fabulous voice actors. Mm -hmm. Some of them are. Some of them are not. Not everybody can dance. I can't dance. Yeah. I can do this. But it's sort of like a Dancing with the Stars situation, right? Of, of um, 
and some some uh, celebrities are self-aware enough to go, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Not because I think it's beneath me, but because I can't. Literally that. can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll step aside and let people who professionally do that all the time do that. Um, so that's been, you know, the, the bummer I think for me is when it's an existing animated property that then becomes a big feature. And then something. they bring and in. And then they bring in the celebrities to, quote, do it well or do it the good version right yeah that's irritating and it's, it's that's happened a few times with some vancouver oh, yeah. proper we won't name names because we, we all want we want to work again but it but it is infuriating because you know and then i'm just i'm, I'm sitting there because you know i do have a 12 year old so in the last decade i've seen a lot of animated films mm-hmm. uh, and and to be like huh the show is better because it's all the Vancouver voice actors. I kind of hear some of them here in the background, mm-hmm. maybe doing the wall up, maybe doing, you know, like an, like one of the smaller roles, but what the fuck, they should be front and center. Ideally, I mean, it, if, if it's something out of whole cloth and it's never, you know, it wasn't a show or whatever, it's one of these big, big properties, like I get it, I get what they're doing, but it is frustrating to have it, I hesitate to use the word taken away because things, get reinvented, they get reimagined all yeah. the time, as, as we were talking about before. But when it's a one-to-one blank the movie, yeah, <laughs> that becomes frustrating. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't think it's, it's ever gonna be something that goes away. I mean, celebrities didn't used to do commercials and now I've got John Hamm telling me to order DoorDash every 15 minutes. Um, I actually, I make a point of, especially if I'm watching something on YouTube, Mm -hmm. fucking watching that little corner countdown from five to one, Mm -hmm. make a point of humming loudly, not looking. I do not even want, during that five seconds, I don't want to know what the company is. I don't want to see, and sometimes Paul will see me doing that and he'd be like, you know, I like, I often direct commercials. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I get it, it's an art form, but you know, I just... Um... Well, the thing that kills me too... Um... I don't like being forced to... <laughs> I don't like being obligated. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it used to be that a uh, an unknown actor could support themselves doing a commercial. Yeah. Back in like the 80s and stuff like that, it'd be like, you get a good commercial, you could buy a house. Yeah. You could buy a car. Now, that's not happening anymore, unless you are, you know, Tommy Lee Jones doing, hey, Volvo, whatever it is, right? Was that, I'm sorry, was that your Tommy Lee that, Jones? That, that, Tommy Lee Jones, Volvo. It's not, not ideal. I didn't come I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the best voice. Not particularly. I, I, I could have gone with Schwarzenegger or something yeah. uh, easier to, to swing at, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, well, I I'm not going to question your choice. I leave with homework is what I leave. Yeah. With. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to have I'm going to have notes for you uh, <laughs> after this is done. Um, Shadow. Yeah. Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow the Hedgehog. Sonic Prime. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Very cool. Not a question. More of a statement. Yeah. What's, what's that been like? That's been fantastic. It was a a real surprise to see it come into the inbox as an audition in the first place. Yeah. As a, was it one of those moments where you're like, oh, this is a little, could be a little bit of a, a game changer. Could be a thing. You know, it could be a thing that like, oh, you sit up a little straighter. A little you bit. Know? Yeah. Or were you more like, 
Uh, I gotta gotta print out the paper, have some wine, go sit no. outside my. <laughs> no. Is there a event I can go go sit outside my friend's house when we're getting married? Or something? <laughs> no, no, that that, that was. Now you you know more, so that you're you're more. Yeah. Yeah, that that was one that that came in, and it was it was really, you know, obviously you know the we know the property, and it's kind of oh wow they're doing this here. That's the other thing too is having one of those known properties get done in Vancouver. Sometimes we're thought of as more of a of a service town where like the other stuff gets done, you know, and so it was cool to have a big um, project with like a lot of ambition behind it yeah. show up. Um, and so getting to audition for that was really, really cool. And then we were doing callbacks over Zoom because this was all COVID. And then we did a table read together over Zoom and then getting into the recording of it and going through the scripts and seeing just how ambitious and how seriously they were taking it. Yeah. And knowing, I, I know more now, but knowing what I did know at the time about the Sonic fandom was that they really wanted something with a story that was taking it seriously. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a ton of different, once again, incarnations that, and they've all been fabulous in their own way, but something that was, hadn't happened in a little bit was just like a, uh, an ongoing narrative story with stakes and and um, and and a bit of a new flavor to it, and so that was really cool to see just how ambitious they were going with the story. And then, you know, getting the part uh, of of Shadow and and of Big Big the Cat was. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, you sound like my cat Wade Wilson. Big the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which he he if when I imagine him speaking, he doesn't actually sound like Wade Wilson. He it's sounds more like, like more like this. Yeah, more yeah. like that. Perfect. Uh was just so cool and and you know, being able to even just play in that sandbox again for 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 a go at it was just so fantastic. And then the gradual rollout of it and seeing just this building fervor for it. Is that hard for you? When like oh. people are finding out more and more and you're like, I want to talk about this, but I can only say this much, this percent much, this oh, yeah. can't confirm, deny, like, yeah. that's got to be challenging. Especially yeah. if they're like nosy people like me who are like, hey. Well, every, <laughs> everybody's going to kind of be like, is this real? Is this, is this actually? And you have to be like, oh, I don't know, maybe. But our, the list of names of, of the cast with no parts attached to it or anything leaked somewhere months before the official announcements happened. Yeah. And I was reading it and thinking like, well, I mean, it's not wrong, but I'm not going to say anything because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's it wasn't officially stated yet. And that was months of sitting on that and having people poke you on Twitter and be like, hey, <laughs> is this you? And then is also this person, that person? Here's my guess. Here's who I think everybody is. And here's who I think it's going to be. And people were going on IMDb and creating pages and just listing casts that were just completely not real. No. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And guessing who was who. That's why, honestly, like, you can't trust IMDb. It's It, it has a bit of a lumpy curation to it. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I mean, I use it, because I gotta. You have to. Well, I gotta. We've been saying it's sort of like our living resume. Yeah. You know, for better or for... I remember finding IMDb as a kid and just going, what a neat thing. Someone watched all the credits. And, and put them all up here. And now it's like industry standard IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um man, we've covered all sorts of stuff today. I mean, what do you what do we what do we Oh, this is I'm, I'm like uh, looking at my work, I'm like, oh, this is a good question. Uh, I'm um 
I mean, I introduced you as uh, the winner of Best Voice Performance at the 2022 UBCP Actor Awards, Ian Hanlon. Um, I actually got to see you on the red carpet, yeah. you know, before y you walked into the auditorium and found out that you won. Uh, and I will put, uh, I'll, I'll pop a link to that uh, red carpet special in the footnotes for this episode. But what did it mean to you to receive that award? that night at, you know, this huge red carpet gala, you know, and how does something like that, a moment like that impact you and the work that you do? Yeah, wow, it was, um, it was really, really surprising. I, you know, I knew everybody who was I was stacked nominated, category incredibly too. stacked. Yeah. And I was like, again, the old thing, but legitimately, this is just an honor is to even be, counted among these people yeah and um you know then to 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 sit there to, to come in and, and get to chat with you which is something i'd never done before i'd never done like a red carpet or anything like that um it was just surreal you've never done a red carpet no 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 i wouldn't have known i'd never i'd never done one before and it was great job oh thank you thank you. i i'm gonna attribute that to you making, <laughs> making me feel very comfortable <laughs> and asking questions that i had the bandwidth to answer <laughs> Um, but um, it was very, very surreal. And for it to, it was the first one up too. So you sit down, it's like, okay, here we go. And there's this really fun intro to the show. And then, okay, first one up. And it's, it, it was me and it was just very strange. It was very, very strange um, and wonderful. And, and I sort of got up there and I said exactly what I just did, which was, this is nuts that this is me up here. It should be any and every one of of, of these people down here that I'm so lucky to call friends and, and colleagues. Um, and I mumbled something about something and left the stage. And then you're sort of standing in the front empty lobby, holding this thing and mm. looking at it and just being like, what, what it just happened? What yeah. just happened? And um, yeah, I, I, I didn't quite know what to make of it, but the thing that was the most relevant for me was just that sense of the community. It was extra cool, I think, just because that was the first big event post-COVID that I had gone to like yeah. that. It was the first in-person UBCP Actor Awards since 2019. It was it was very special Yeah, in, in a lot of respects. And to be there with those people and be, because I remember getting here and very much being on the outside of the industry as a total looking in and going like that'd be nice to just be invited hmm. and it was a very humbling moment to to be there and everyone was incredibly sweet and then after it was over myself and and um caitlin were there and Caitlin Bearstow. Caitlin Bearstow, the incredible voice actress, Caitlin Bearstow. I did that too on the red carpet too, you right? You did you call me out there too. I appreciate it once again. And um I sort of looked at her and I was like, can we go? Because <laughs> everybody was being so nice and yeah. so sweet. But, so overwhelming. But as we were saying earlier, it's like, I, uh, you know, it, I just couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. Um, so we went home and ordered McDonald's and sat on the couch and ate French fries. Like Perfect. It, it was exactly just what a, what a, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. It was incredible. And yeah. now it stares at me and I go like, well, <laughs> I need to, I need to keep earning that. Yeah. I need to keep being worth uh, 
the attention from, yeah. So anyway. Okay, we're gonna get back in the DeLorean now. Okay. We're gonna end with a bit more time travel. Um, and you've listened to the podcast, so I think you know mm -hmm. this question. We're gonna go back in time. We're actually not gonna go to Wales, um, even though I do wanna hear that dialect again. Mm -hmm. um, but if you could go back in time to the beginning of your career as a voice artist mm -hmm. and give yourself some advice, some words of wisdom that would possibly make things a little bit easier for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give? They're not all gonna like you and that's okay. Yeah. It's going in there and trying to do something that's gonna make everybody in the room happy isn't gonna make anybody in the room excited. It yeah. might make everybody go, well, that was inoffensive. That was perfectly fine. But it's, yeah, see, yeah. they get it. Uh, <laughs> but it's seconded. But, but you'd be much better off taking the swing. Take yeah. the swing. Don't take the bass, take the swing. It's better to, you know, whiff on it than, than, than walk the bass. And, I, I don't know why I used a baseball analogy. I don't do sports. I but. I know, and I was looking, you know, I was, <laughs> I was nodding, like, and I'm like, like, really? Am I having like some kind of stroke or something? Because I don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> so, I think it makes sense. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, it's baseball. It's baseball, everybody. It's baseball. Exactly. Um, because you know. So I'm sorry. You have to hit the ball and then run, or like try to swing. My understanding. <laughs> Something with a wait. Are you even a baseball guy? There's no. What <laughs> there's, the hell? He's a wicket, <laughs> and I think something to do with a two point conversion. I'm not entirely sure, but um, oh my god! <laughs> but, and yeah. so I'm sorry. You're giving this to yourself. This is you're talking to yourself. The, the beginning of your career, and you'd be like, what the fuck. Oh, and all of this is in it. All of this. <laughs> the horn honk. Something going like I think there's a wicket anyway. It's what's important. Take the base. Steal. Don't steal the. Something, where's the shortstop? Is he first and second, second and second? Anyway, the important thing is confidence, Ian. No, and <laughs> because- I'm actually crying. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> because the room is gonna have one person in it, no matter how great a job you do, no matter how perfect you are, there's gonna be one person in the room who's like, that's not what I would have picked. And you need to be okay with that. I did a job once. Home, ru home run, Ian. You yeah, did. home run. I, I went in once for a job, walked in, shook the person's hand, and the first thing they said was, you weren't my choice. But I was still there to do the job. Um, so I did the job. Never gonna make everybody happy. The wait, that wasn't Paul Jason no, Furniger, no, 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 was no, 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 no. As if so, he and I are gonna have to have some words. No, 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 that was something else. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you're never, you're never gonna uh, make everybody happy, so the best you can do is make sure that you're making yourself happy. Yeah, well, I do have to say, You've made me very happy Likewise, today, even though you made me cry right at Sorry the end. Like, Sorry. oh my gosh. I just, like often when people say sports things <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, yeah, they're talking a language that they know, but then you didn't even know. No, this was <laughs> working at a restaurant in the TV where everyone's watching sports. I got just enough to carry the conversation no, forward. No, but you didn't. Well, no, I didn't. you didn't. But oh you my didn't, God. Yeah, you, you really didn't. It was no. actually not at all. Um, okay, Ian, you're gonna come, when you're gonna come back. I would love to. Then. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about sports, <laughs> which is clearly a passion of yours. Big time. Um, but in the Touch meantime, hand. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm, I'm leaving this all in. Ian Hanlon, where can our fans find you, follow you for more sports things, and also celebrate you on the social 
social media. Well, for all sports-related content, <laughs> you can find me on the ESPN app. No, I'm uh, at Ian Stuart Hanlon on Twitter, uh, S-T-U-A-R-T. And uh, I'm at Ian Hanlon on Instagram, which I've been trying to use more. Oh, yeah. So uh, who knows how much longer Twitter is going to be around. Exactly. It was kind of funny, though, because we all had that one night. We're like, I love you guys. I know. This was the last night. I mean, I'm guilty of that. This is the last oh. night ever. Find me on Instagram and Facebook and Mastodon and Counter Social. Hi. That Green Bay um, song started yeah. playing in the background. <laughs> it's prom all over again. And we're all, we're from, most of us are still there, but it's also just gotten uglier there, too. It's true. So, like, I keep being like, eh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here, but the whole thing... Like it didn't house House of Cards fall. No, yet. it's just sort of, I don't know. It's leaning Tower of Pisa a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like we're just stuck in 2020. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And on that very positive note, I thank Ian. I thank our sponsor of this episode, UBCP Actra. Um, and I thank you, my listeners pretty darn great. Uh, but if you would, please leave us a review if you are so inclined They help us. I don't know, they help us keep going. And then we can keep, keep having these awesome sports conversations like the one that we just had. Uh, find us at YVRScreenScene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon at Sabrina and or uh, at YVRScreenScene. I'm not YVRScreenScene, I'm Mastodon. I am at Sabrina at MAS.TO. I don't know how to say that yet. I also don't update it very much. It's kind of like this like escape hatch in case I need it. Anyway, at Sabrina Arf, at Wyvere Screen Scene. The Wyvere Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Mara Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support and also for helping me with my intro this morning. Thank you, baby! And to Dane, not Furminger Devalet. Poor, poor, not Furminger Dane for the original music. Although, Dane... You are a Furminger to me. Um, I don't know if you are, Ian. Are you? I don't know. I think I blew it with the sports stuff. I think I so. Should. And also, it's two different times we've had to say Shadow Kingdom Bearstow. Damn. Could have been in there. <laughs> Could have been a contender. While we're a screen scene, it's Division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut. Hey, filmmakers. Did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short, or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactra.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.